It's with uh, a lot of joy and some fear and trembling that I have them here today. Eddie was my best friend growing up from about uh, grammar school through high school. So uh, it's a real joy to have you here, Eddie. It's also kind of scary because Eddie's got all the dirt on me. <laughs> so my plan is after the service, Lisa and I are going to sweep them out, take them out to lunch so none of you get to talk to them. <laughs> We're glad to have you. Let's, uh, let's hear the word of God this morning. From 1 Corinthians 12, verses, 14, verses 12 through 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell, where would be the sense of smell? But as, as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then we'll skip down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And I forgot to read verses 12 and 13, so we'll back up to those. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. May God bless this reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would indeed open our eyes, that we would hear your word this morning, that you would speak to our hearts and to our lives about the kind of people we need to be, the kind of church we need to be, the kind of community you desire for us to be. And then, Father, let's go forth from here to build that community, to create that church, and to be a witness for Christ in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you think is the most popular TV theme song of all time. Well, I can tell you what some of the contenders are. Of course, Gilligan's Island, everybody of roughly my generation or who watched the reruns knows the song, the Beverly Hillbillies, the Jeffersons, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, the greatest American hero, didn't last very long, but a great song, and the theme from Friends. But on most lists, most magazines and Internet polls of the 
the most popular, the most well-liked theme song from all TV shows at the top of the list is the theme song from the sitcom Cheers. And I want to just play just a little bit of it and let you look at the words while we play it. invite you to sing that because it is a song about a sitcom that takes place in a bar but but (laughs) that would probably get me in trouble with the senior pastor but not to mention the session but forget for a minute that the sitcom takes place in a bar and aside from that doesn't that song express the way you feel a lot of times living in this world in this fallen world it's hard it's hard There are a lot of trials. We have to work by the sweat of our brow. And uh, we have a lot of worries sometimes. So many people tell me, the older you get, and I know this and I feel this, you worry about things. You know, you know enough that you shouldn't worry because you've seen God answer so many prayers, but but you worry. I think it's post-traumatic life syndrome. And uh, what, what, what you really need, what you really want is a, a group of friends who really care about you, who, who are always glad to see you, who celebrate your victories, who, who help you make it through the tough times. Don't you want to go where everybody knows your name, where everybody's always glad you came? I do. So here's my question for us today. Can the church be that place? Shouldn't the church be that place? Will we strive to make our church that place? I know one thing. Uh, It won't happen if we view the church as just another human organization. But, but, But the church is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not an organization. It's a community. You know, people today, we're told, they're not really very interested in joining organizations. They could care less about their membership certificate. Uh, They're not interested in the role. They aren't really too interested in paying their dues or perfect attendance. But, But people are hungry for community. The popularity of that song tells us people are hungry for community. Not, now, now, not something fake, not something with a pasted-on smile, but I'm talking about sincere, real, genuine community where you know people 
and you care about people and you know that they care about you and you can share anything with them and you know they will always be there for you. Almost everyone longs to find a group where they'll be welcomed and accepted and loved and supported and encouraged and appreciated and sometimes even challenged to be the best that you can be, the best that by God's grace you can be. That's why it's vital that we remember that the church of Jesus Christ is first of all the community of God's people. Howard Snyder wrote a book called Community of the King and he says the church is no mere collection of isolated individuals. It has a corporate and communal nature which is absolutely essential to its being. Authentic Christian living is life in Christian community. Now, that kind of runs against the grain of our rugged American individualism. And, you know, we just, we just paste that on top of uh, our, our spirituality. You know, me and God, we can do anything. But the church is not like one of those European trains, you know, where, where the cars are all divided into little compartments and you get on the train, you know, and you, you get in your little compartment and you close the door and you look out the scenery and you just look out the window and you just see the scenery go by as you're on your way to your destination or in this case to heaven. That's what a lot of people think Christianity is. I'm a believer in Christ. I have a personal relationship with Christ. I'm locked up in my little compartment here and I'm on the way to heaven. Let me know when we get there. It's not like that. It can't be like that. As Christians, we have been called first to Christ, but but he has also called us to live together as his body, as his people. And Jesus himself gave us the pattern. When he called his disciples, they became not just individual followers, but they were the 12. And then there was the 70. And and he called them together into a group. And they followed Christ together. I almost titled this message, Called to Christ, Called Together, because that's what it is. We're called to Jesus Christ. We're called to, to confess our sins, to turn from our sins, to receive the grace that only Christ can give. And then we're called to join the community of the redeemed the community of God's people, to to be the church, to be his body here on earth. And when we live in loving fellowship with other believers by the power of the Holy Spirit, lives are changed. Broken relationships are restored. Communities are transformed. And the world begins to take notice. Chuck Colson wrote, Christians who understand their personal identity as followers of a Christ will not make a widespread difference in the decline and decay around us unless we have a high view of our corporate identity in the body of Christ. Christianity is not a solitary belief system. 
any genuine resurgence of Christianity, as history demonstrates, depends on a reawakening and renewal of that which is the essence of the faith, that is, the people of God, the new society, the body of Christ, which is made manifest in the world, the church. So the first point that I want to make this morning is that as Christians, we are united with one another in the body of Christ. We are united with one another in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the, and all the, members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. If you've been united with Christ by faith, you have been united with the body of Christ. And then in Romans 12, 4 and 5, we read, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So the Bible clearly teaches that we are both united to Christ and united to other believers because we are together in the body of Christ. It teaches that by precept and instruction, and it teaches it by the example of the early Christians. We are to worship and live out our faith and fellowship with other believers. The Westminster Confession of Faith talks about this in chapter 26, and in the first paragraph it says, All saints that are united to Jesus Christ their head, by his spirit and by faith, have fellowship with him in his graces, suffering, death, resurrection, and glory, and being united to one another in love. They have communion in each other's gifts and graces and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, as to conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outer man. Now, that was written in 1646, and there's a little of it that's a little hard to get, but I like it. I like it. We're united to one another. We have communion in each other's gifts and graces, and, and we're obligated to one another to, to work together, to share our gifts, to minister to each other. You know, there are areas that you're strong in, and there are areas that you're weak in. And and, and, and we need each other. We need each other to, uh, to help each other out in the areas that we're not strong in. James Houston was a friend of C.S. Lewis, and he was the president of Regent College in Vancouver for eight years, and he wrote, The need of the hour in our churches today is to be a community of friends. To see the importance of living a deeply begraced life in the sense that we are living more honestly and intimately in relationship with God. 
We need to be an authentic community of believers where we help each other and we minister to each other and we pray for each other and we support each other and we encourage each other. There's a church in Charlotte where we used to live and it has an unusual name. It's called Stonebridge Church Community. Every time I see this, my head just goes, wait a minute, Stonebridge Church Community? Don't they mean Stonebridge Community Church? I mean, that makes sense. You got a community named Stonebridge? This is a church for the community. But they named their church Stonebridge Church Community. And I think they were trying to get a message across. I think they were trying to say is that we are a community. We are a fellowship of Christians who worship and serve Christ together in Stonebridge. I don't know if that works or not, but I like the thought. And I want to call your attention to something that you see every week on the cover of the bulletin. Hickson Presbyterian Church and the date, and what does it say right there in the middle? We want to be a community. Let's not forget that. We want to be a community. We want to be a community. Isn't that what Christ has called us to be? We're united together as the body of Christ and he calls us to live out our lives together as a community of his people. The second thing I want you to see is that we should be devoted to one another in sincere brotherly love. I love the NIV there, the translation of Romans 12.1. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. The ESV says love one another with brotherly affection. And then in Paul's letter first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And that's really what I want to do today. I'm not here to say we're not a loving church or that we're not a community. I think we're already doing this in so many ways. We have a number of ministries where we care for each other. We have small groups. We have home fellowship groups. We have prime timers. We have helping hands. We we have support groups for parents. I can't remember the acronym right now. I'm not even going to try. I'll get it wrong. But I want to urge you. I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. I believe we are a friendly church. I believe we are a loving church. But one of the hardest things that we, we have to do in this busy world is just to make time for one another. 
And it takes time to get to know people. It takes time to get involved in their lives. It takes time to build the trust where someone is willing to come to you and, and, and share a kind of personal prayer request, a struggle that they're having in their life. You know, that's not going to happen the first time you get together for coffee. Probably not. And we all have so much to do. But Christ calls us to be a community and to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So we need to be concerned not only about getting our own needs met at church, but what, what about the other people that God has brought to our fellowship? What about the other people that God has providentially brought into our midst? Are we concerned only about ourselves or, or our nuclear family or are we concerned about the community and I especially want to ask you to consider and not overlook four kinds of people who may be in our midst first of all there are people who are new among us there's some people who walked in this door for the first time today there's some people who have been here for a few weeks or a few months and they're thinking I think this would be the place that, that, that I'd like to put down roots. This is, I'd like to cast my lot in with these folks. They seem to be, the, you know, the preacher preaches the word, the, the people seem to, to, to love the Lord, and uh, this is where I want to go. Are they going to find a place? Are they going to find a place where they can connect with other people? Or are all our small groups going to be full because... We've been together for three or four years, and we know each other, and it's hard to get to know people, new people. They can just form new groups. I challenge you if you have a small group. I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to, to, to hang with people that you've been with. We, we love old friends. I'm so glad I've got an old friend with me this morning. But God is bringing people into our midst. And they need fellowship. They need a community. You know, and if, you, if, if you've got extra room in your home or extra room in your study or someone's left, by all means, please, please put the sign-up sheet out. You know, come to me and say, Jim, who's new that needs a group? Because we've got some room. We want, we want to get, who would fit in our group? Who, who's looking for a group like ours? Open your hearts to new people. You were new once. You may be new again sometime. You know, Kevin and Betsy Palm were pillars of our church. God called them this summer to, to Huntsville. Now they're new. You don't know that person that comes in. They may be a new Christian who needs to be discipled. They may be the next pillar of our church. Let's open our hearts. Let's open our homes. Let's welcome the people who are new among us. And let's put on name tags. You know, you can order your name tag or wear one on name tag Sundays. It just makes it a lot easier. What about people who aren't new but they're still not connected? They've been here for a year or two or sadly maybe even longer than that but they, they just haven't found the place 
And, and if they're still here, it's kind of a miracle that they've been among us for a year or two, but they still haven't really connected. You know, they, they say that particularly women, if they, if they don't make six friends in six months, you're not going to keep them. They're, they're going to go somewhere else. But there are people among us that, that have been here, but they're still not connected. Look around. Meet somebody new. We used to do a greet your neighbor time in our church in North Carolina. And, and I noticed that we'd do greet your neighbor and the same people would get up and greet their same friends. Sometimes they would walk across the church to greet the people they knew. And there was somebody new right next to them. They would just ignore them. So I started saying, now we're going to take a moment to greet your neighbor. And I want you to greet somebody new. Meet somebody new. Some people are not really connected. Get together for lunch. Get together for coffee. Invite them to your group. You may just find there's a, somebody who's going to be one of your best friends out there and you just haven't noticed. And the third group of people are people who are a little different from us. You know, because it's always easier for us to get close to people who are just like us. You know, we, people who are same age and, and uh, people who are, you know, same background maybe or same, uh, same interests. And you can just go on and on with that. And I understand. And as an entry point, that's, that's fine. We want to, you know, young families want to see, are there any young families in this church? I've seen it happen both ways, though. You know, I mean, you know, I've, I've literally been in a church where we were struggling to try to get more and more young families, and I've had seniors come in, look around, and say, all we see are young families. There's nobody our age here. We're going to have to find another church. So, you know, we, we, we are naturally attracted to people who are like us. But you know what? If we are the body of Christ... We are diverse. We are different by God's design. We are, at the very least, in different generations. And the Bible talks about that, you know, older women training younger women and older men mentoring younger men, discipling younger men. We need each other. Let's, let's not completely segregate ourselves out by age or interest. So even if you begin that way, I hope that you will expand your taste a little bit and say, you know what, I need to get to know some people who are a little different from me, but they love Jesus, they love Christ, they're an important part of our fellowship. Get to know some people who are a little different from you. And then fourthly, and very importantly, we need to be concerned about people who are hurting in our midst. Because you know, in a community at any given time, and every preacher knows this when you get up to speak, there are some folks out there, there's some folks in our congregation today, and you're carrying some pretty heavy burdens. Sometimes you know about them and sometimes you don't. But I know you don't get this many people together that they're not those people out there. And we need to be concerned about them. We need to care about them. We need to pray for them. We need to be there for them. We need to be the place of refuge. We need to be the safe place where you can come. 
after things haven't gone so well at work or or whatever. My challenge to you as we begin a new ministry year this year, what are you doing to show brotherly love to the people in these four categories? I know you can't be best friends with everyone, but you can't measure how loving a church is by just how much you love your best friends and how much you enjoy hanging out with the best friends that you have in the church. You measure how loving a church is by how much you reach out and look out for people who may need a friend. So if you're not in any group, I hope you'll at least join a home fellowship group. We've got sign-ups today after church in room 201. I think we have six or eight home fellowship groups. We ought to have 12 or 15. And you know what? If they fill up, we will start new ones. I promise you we will. And when visitors come to our church, I hope you will welcome them. And when new people come to your Sunday school class, I hope that you will get to know them. And I hope you'll sign up for a small group and help someone find a small group and invite people to your small group and get to know people. Become a community. We are the body of Christ. We grow together as we exercise our gifts that the Spirit has given to us. Let's be the body of Christ. You know, we don't want to be like what I call a two-van youth group. That's, you know, the church I grew up, grew up in did, did a number of things well, but we had what I call today a two-van youth group. Now, back then, they were station wagons, um, but you know what a two-van youth group is. There, you, you know, most of the time, if you're going out for pizza, you're going over to somebody's house, you're going somewhere, you can, everybody can fit in two cars, two vans. So, who gets in the first van? All the popular kids. All the in kids, the it girls, whatever the, whatever the terminology is. Who gets in the second van? Everybody else. You know what I'm talking about. My question is, which van would Jesus get in? Let's see. W, W, J, V, G, I, I don't know. Which van would Jesus get in? That's what you need to ask yourself. I love the song by Casting Crowns. But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we're the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there's a way? Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose who should come. And we are the body of Christ. I'm just going to mention this verse because Robert's going to preach on it in a couple of weeks. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And thirdly, this morning, 
we should long for our church to exhibit authentic Christian community. We should long for our church to exhibit authentic Christian community. Now, the book of Acts in chapter 2 gives the pattern for what believers did as they came to Christ, after they came to Christ. And so we read in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Sometimes I think that if if we followed the pattern of American Christianity and those who made a personal profession of faith went home and they got on the internet and they got some helps on how to grow as a Christian and they studied them by themselves and a couple times a year they went to church at Christmas and Easter and They grew just them and the Lord in their walk, their personal walk with Christ. Folks, that's not what it says. God calls those who become his people to be a part of a community, Samuel Escobar says. So the new humanity that Christ is creating becomes visible in communities that have a quality of life that reflects Christ's example. You know, we are the only Bible that people read most of the time. And, and it's not just us as individuals, it's how we live as a community that's going to have a powerful witnesses, witness to the world. When people see us and they, they say, my, how they love one another. Those people care about each other. Those people look out for each other. The Westminster Confession puts it this way, saints by profession are bound to maintain an holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God and in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification, as also in relieving each other in outward things according to their several abilities and necessities, which communion, as God offereth opportunity, is to be extended unto all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. In Romans 12, 15 through 18 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but 
but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then Galatians 6.2 just puts it very succinctly. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That law being love your neighbor as yourself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together. And in it he says, Let him who unto now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that, that it is a blessing from God that he puts us in a Christian community? And, and our desire should be to exhibit to the world. I don't have a clip for this mic this morning. That's why it keeps falling off. Um, our desire should be to exhibit to the world genuine, loving, authentic Christian community. My friends, the church of Jesus Christ and our local congregation is not and must never be just an organization. I told a church one day, I was preaching and I said, uh, the day this church becomes a social club, the next sound you hear will be the door closing behind me as I leave. We're not just an organization. We're never a club. We're the body of Christ and we must be a community. As we say on our bulletin, we want to be a community. We must be devoted to one another in brotherly love. We must carry each other's burdens. And far more than any bar could ever be. We must be the place of refuge from the trials and worries of this fallen sinful world. We must be the place where everyone knows your name and where we're always glad you came. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you received us into your family a great gift that we did not deserve because we were aliens and strangers we were sinners far from far from you separated from God but if you have welcomed us into the family of God then we need to be the kind of welcoming loving supportive Christian community that meets the needs of the folks within our fellowship and is a shining light to the wider world of what can be when people submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to be a community 
We are the body of Christ, and we need to be a community. Give us a vision. Help us to be the church that we want to be and we need to be, and you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.